0: Welcome to Running Scared, I'm Coach Christine, a level two RRCA and Run, Walk, Run certified coach and friend, if you are a little bit of a true crime addict, you enjoy running or walking, getting out there, getting your fitness on, then welcome, you have found your corner of the internet and I'm sure that we are going to enjoy each other's company. We're gonna go ahead and get right into today's workout with a walking warmup, so let's walk it out Nice and tall in three, two, and one. Walking warmups are my absolute favorite way to get moving, get grooving. And a perfect opportunity while you're getting started into your workout for us to go over what you can expect for today's case and today's workout so first and foremost from start to finish I want you really focused on your form you're gonna be nice and tall that chin is up eyes on the prize or eyes are on the horizon you're staying relaxed staying light on your feet I'll give you form cues throughout today's workout and if you're outdoors well you know how to roll You want to be mindful of your surroundings. You want to make sure that you're wearing bright, visible clothing so that you're easily seen, especially if it's dark. And it's always a good idea for somebody to know where you're heading or that you use some safety measures, maybe with a GPS watch that sends your location to a loved one. All right, friends, if you're in a treadmill, well, we're going to keep you just as healthy, right? So let's bring that incline up to a 1% incline that helps to minimize the impact on your joints and replicate a little bit of that outdoor setting. Friends, while we're rolling through here in this warm-up, I want to let you know that today is going to be a little bit of a true crime back-to-school edition. Unfortunately, we'll be learning quite a bit about the rape, murder, and... And there will be details of necrophilia and, of course, violence of a beloved algebra high school teacher. If that's not your jam and you still need to get in a good workout, please check out some of my lighter episodes like the Black Widow or the Blade Runner. But this case isn't going to be that light, my friends. I ask also that you consult your physician before starting this or any new fitness regimen. But if you're still here, you're still rolling strong, then great, we're gonna get a phenomenal workout in together. Use the rate of perceived effort to help structure our workout. And if you've rolled with me before, you know exactly how that rolls down. We're on a scale of one to 10. One is a stroll. 10 is an all out sprint. We're going to hang out in more of our conversation pace today, but we're going to add in a little extra credit options of popping on up into a little bit more of an intense increase of our pace. I'm going to add in that true crime RPE scale into episode notes if you need to reference it at any time. Today's workout, as I've already mentioned, it's a solid base building workout, but it's not going to require any solving for X or any complicated formulas. After our warm up, we're going to go right into that conversation pace. So on that effort scale, it's going to be a three to a four. We're going to be there for eight minutes. And after that eight-minute block, you're going to have the opportunity to push up your pace for two minutes into a faster pace, more of a tempo or comfortably hard. You can speed up your legs and test your strength and speed. We'll meet back again in our eight-minute block, nice and easy conversation pace. We'll have another two-minute extra credit, faster effort before we pull into our final five-minute cool down. If at any time you wanna use a hall pass, you need to pull back your pace, take a little bit of a recess, wanna walk it out, get into a lighter effort, please feel free to do so. You don't need my permission slip to do that, friend. You're an adult, you can do what you need to do. Already got a passing grade, you got laced up, you're here. That's all that really matters. Just listen to your body, do what you need for the workout. We're gonna be rolling into this case in about 60 seconds, a little under 60 seconds. So, again, I want you to be really mindful of your form. Keeping those shoulders down and back, your chest is nice and open. Let's engage our core. And when you hear me talk about staying light on your feet, well, that means that you're gonna have light footsteps, you're landing underneath your hips. The light forward, lean at the ankle, all of these little form cues will help you to really be the strongest runner that you can be. And again, keep you healthy and injury free. Let's get this case underway and get this workout officially done so we can graduate until the rest of our day. We're going in 10 Let's rock in five, four, three, two, and one. Again, we're going into our first eight-minute block, friends. So I already mentioned during the warm-up that we're going to be hearing the case of a beloved high school teacher. We're going to be covering Colleen Ritzer, who was raped and killed by her 14-year-old student. So my friend... Colleen was 24 years old when she met her demise. She was brutally raped and slain just in her second year of teaching. Colleen was described as being effusive, bright, enthusiastic, she had a fun nature, and her students absolutely adored her. She was teaching at the Danvers High School. She was born on May 13th, 1989, in Lawrence, Massachusetts. And she had what could be described as not just a normal childhood, but a really good childhood. She had a great family life. Her parents have gone on to say that she knew she wanted to be a teacher from when she was very, very young. While she may not have known exactly what kind of educator she wanted to be or what subject she wanted to teach, she was set on the pathway of being a teacher when she grew up. She had that open and friendly nature. She often stayed behind to help her students with any problems that they may be experiencing. She was an avid user of Twitter. And the reason why that's important is because she really wanted her kids to feel like they could connect with her. She would connect with her students on Twitter, on social media, kind of meet them there. She would share articles and information that related to the material that they'd be discussing in class. And again, her students really were able to form a really close relationship with her. It's remembered, and it's quoted, that she had a quiet, heroic nature. She had ambitions to continue post her graduation in education and she was currently or she was enrolled at the time of her death at the Salem State College she was very close to her two younger siblings Laura and Daniel she was very close to her parents Thomas and Peggy and she actually still lived at home the Ritzer family regularly got together they celebrated holidays birthdays they were in each other's everyday lives very prominently She had a routine that she followed and her mother fondly recalls that when she was done with her workday, Colleen would head home around 3.30 and chat with her mom in her living room because her mother worked from home. Colleen was teaching in a very small town. And this small town is called Danvers. It actually has only one middle school, one high school. Interesting little side note was this town was previously connected with the Salem witch trials, but to shake off some of the stigma attached to that part of its history, they changed their name to Danvers. It appears that Colleen was not involved in any kind of romantic relationships. And instead, she seemed much more focused on her career in her students. This dedication in helping others, along with her very approachable nature, unfortunately may have been partly to blame for her demise. Danvers High School New Year had just kicked off about a month earlier in September. Still when October approached, Colleen became incredibly enthusiastic and excited. Halloween was one of her favorite holidays of the year. She would look forward to being able to decorate her classroom. She often chatted about how much she loved her own college Halloween parties. During this time, Colleen, well, she started to notice that she had a new student in her class and by a new student meaning that he was new to the area. He was a ninth grader by the name of Philip Chisholm. Lane took an interest in him because he appeared that although he was doing academically well, he was very kind of quiet and withdrawn, maybe shy. He didn't seem to be really making a lot of friends very easily. He had moved to Danvers from Clarksville, Tennessee with his mother. His mother had just gone through a, what was described a very difficult and maybe even bitter divorce proceeding before her and Philip made their way to Massachusetts. Now friends, we're about five minutes in or three minutes away from wrapping up this particular segment and having that opportunity to push into that faster pace. Now you're still gonna make sure that you're staying controlled. You're staying focused. You shouldn't be going into that 10 or sprint. There's no one coming after you right here right now. So just being controlled in that pace, but really honing on in. I'm pushing in a little bit more, testing your strength, knowing that it's just a two minute block and then we'll pull back and meet back into our conversation pace. So I'll cue you in when we're gonna do that. Philip was quiet, but he had started to play soccer at Danvers as this was a carryover from when he lived in Tennessee where he also played soccer. And soccer seemed to be a very big passion of Philip's. The soccer coach went on to say that while many of the other kids in the team may have been a little unruly or they would goof around during practice, that was not Philip at all. Philip would come into that soccer practice, he'd buckle down, and he'd make sure to do all the drills that he needed. He'd follow the coach's orders. He was kind of a little bit of like a coach's pet, even, if you will. On October 22nd of 2013... After the final period ended, and the final period here at Danvers High School would end around 1.55 p.m., while it was the final academic structured period, it appears that Danvers High School had what they called a bubble period, and that's something I have never heard of before, if you are aware of bubble periods shoot me a message at at christineatrunwinfinishlines.com I've truly never heard of this before but this bubble period is the final 35 minutes of the school day and it kind of puts the student in the driver's seat, allowing them to choose how they wanted to spend their final 35 minutes of the school day, as long as they did so in a way that helped them academically so they could stay in a teacher's class for tutoring, they could head to the library, they could pursue anything that would assist them with their school assignments. So, She wrapped up, Colleen wrapped up her final period around 1.55, it went into this bubble period. And it appears that one of Colleen's students who went on to say that she absolutely loved Colleen, she just thought that she was such a great teacher. And this student kind of just wanted to hang out with Colleen, she kind of stayed behind, choosing to spend her bubble period with her so she could chit chat, or kind of just get to know her teacher a little bit more. Now we know that Philip was also staying during that bubble period but there's a little bit of controversy as to how that actually went down. We'll learn more about that as we push into this next two-minute segment. Now, remember, just like the bubble period, if you choose to stay right here right now, that's perfect. If you need to pull back the pace, that's great as well, as long as you're doing what you need for your workout today. But I'm gonna say, go ahead and test it out a little bit. Take it up into that upper five to six on that effort scale in three, two, and one, let's go. Two minutes here, just 122, 120 seconds. I know you've got it. Again, a lot of the reports are a little sketchy, they're a little kind of conflicting. There's some reports that show that Philip stayed behind during the bubble period because Colleen asked him to, and that scenario is proposed that Colleen identified that Philip seemed to be a bit distracted as he had been doodling during class and while she was making her rounds talking to the students she remarked on his artwork and he seemed a little disgruntled a little standoffish so another student in the class states that Colleen went ahead and kind of bent down and say hey Philip let you stick around after we wrap up here so I can chat with you a little bit it appears that he agreed and during this bubble period Colleen tried to engage Philip in conversation however there's another report that basically says that "Mm, that's not exactly how it went down Philip chose to stay on his own accord that Colleen was actually heading out to chit chat with one of her fellow colleagues another teacher regardless of what it may be the reality is is that there was the other student the one who wanted to stay behind during her bubble period and Philip who were there during this bubble period we're going to learn more about that segment in our next eight minute block but just to remind you we're actually at the halfway point of our time together in three two and one so go ahead and pull it on back bring it back into your conversation piece and if you are in an out and back you need to get a little closer to home it's a great time to u-turn all right my friends So Colleen tried to engage Philip in conversation during this last 35 minutes of the school day. She started to ask him about his hometown in Clarksville, Tennessee. But the other student that was there went on to say that Colleen quickly changed the subject because she noticed that Philip appeared to become a little agitated and a little hesitant when asked to speak about his home life or at least his hometown. The other student That was in the class during this time ended up wrapping up her 35 minutes there. She bid Miss Colleen farewell and she left Colleen with Philip behind. Shortly afterward, it appears that Colleen excused herself. She left Philip behind in her class. She needed to go to the restroom. So there is security camera footage of Colleen walking down the hall and heading into the ladies' restroom. Security camera also captured Philip coming out of the classroom shortly after that. And he looked around the halls and it appears, I mean, we're kind of creating this scenario, but it appears, He was kind of checking around his surroundings, looking from side to side. He then pulled up his hoodie and he made his way down the hallway as well. Also towards the ladies restroom where we see the footage of him entering in the restroom that Colleen was in. Ends there. There's no camera within the restrooms. The footage then shows a few minutes after that, a young female student going into that exact same bathroom, but it appears that she was very quick because she left immediately. So just as quickly as you see her going in the door, you see her coming right back out. He hurried off the camera's viewpoint. The student later went on to testify that when she walked into the bathroom, she had been startled because she saw a bare bottom and wasn't sure if someone was changing their clothes or perhaps engaging in, well, extracurricular activities. And either way, she decided that whomever was in there needed some privacy and it was best not to stick around. So she left to find herself another restroom that was maybe more readily available. The camera then picks up Philip a few minutes after that, leaving the bathroom and he's walking down the hallway very rapidly, then he came back a few minutes later. Now, I also want to add that it appears that he kind of came back with a slightly different stage of dress. He was wearing a mask and he had on surgical gloves. Now, for us living past the pandemic, that may not sound strange, but this is 2013. There's no global pandemic. I can think of no reason except for bank robbery that people would be wearing masks or in the surgical room. So this was a little odd. He comes back in and the camera picks up that he goes back to the restroom. And if that wasn't weird enough, he's also pulling in a recycling bin. And this is a large full-size recycling bin that you would maybe put outside at your street. I see him coming back out again from the restroom on the security footage with the recycling bin and he's still wearing his mask and gloves then we show the footage of him pulling this full-size recycling bin down the hallway outside the school and the camera even picked up that he was pulling this full-size bin past other people that were outside the school he was still wearing his mask he was still wearing gloves but nobody seemed to ask him to stop or what he was doing now we lose track of him at this point because he pushed past the range of the security cameras that were installed to monitor the high school. A few hours pass. His mother became worried because Philip never made it home that night and she started to call around looking for him. She reached out to the soccer coach. Remember? Philip had a very close relationship with the soccer coach. And the soccer coach actually corroborated that Philip never made it to practice, which he didn't think was weird at the time. He thought maybe he was sick or went home or whatever the case may be. But the coach seemed to have felt somewhat responsible. So he became very proactive and he called all of Philip's fellow teammates. And they kind of went on like a bit of a hunt where trying to find where Philip would be, there was a lot of concern and worry about him unaware of the search for Philip, Colleen's parents also became concerned remember she was very much into her routine, her mother was used to her being home after her work day at the school and them chit chatting it's getting later that night, Colleen hasn't made it home, her parents attempt to call her cell phone, she never answers, it's just ring they decide, her parents both decide let's just go to her workplace, let's go to the school and check in on her they pulled up into the school, they found her car they were able to get into the school. They go into her classroom. They find that she had left behind her sweater. So there's an article of clothing still in her room. They became immediately concerned. This was very much unlike their daughter to behave in this way and not to have checked in. So they contacted the police. But at this time, again, this is a very small town. The police were kind of at their limits because they were very concerned about finding 14-year-old Philip. As the evening went on, the investigators did start to consider the possibility that Philip and Colleen were maybe somewhere together. They headed to the school to conduct their own search. And what they found was a little odd was that they found a super clean ladies' restroom that smelled of fresh cleaning chemicals. And as they were in this ladies' restroom... One of the officers noticed that there appeared to have been maybe what could have been a bloody handprint that had been attempted to have been removed with cleaning chemicals, but you could still see handprint that had been there. Now they're kind of, at this point, it's an APB, it's a full search. So a team of investigators on this case immediately put out a tracker on Philip or his cell phone. And they were relieved to find that Philip's phone wasn't far away from the school as it pinged to a nearby movie theater. So it appeared that Philip, or at least his cell phone, had been at the theater for some time throughout that day. Maybe it looked like at least a few hours. The investigation team approaching this from all fronts. They wanted to make sure they could find Philip, find Colleen... It just was too strange for them not to have put all of their efforts behind this. They started to request the security camera footage that I've already referenced earlier in this case. And when they saw the footage and the recycling bin, they started to become increasingly concerned for Colleen at this point, knowing that she had gone into the restroom and never came out. Friends, we're going into that two minute extracurricular or extra credit work. It's, A little bit of a harder effort, but I know you can do it because we're gonna have a cool down on the other side and then we'll wrap up this case in three, two, and one. Let's go. Make sure you're staying tall, bringing those shoulders down and back. Maybe you've got a little bit of adrenaline rushing through as we hear more about what's going on with Colleen. Got this. Remember five minute cool down where we walk it out on the other side. You become concerned for Colleen. And they brought out their tracker dogs to help them in their search. While they were still working on their search with the dogs, they also received a call of a strange individual that was wearing a hoodie wandering through a local neighborhood kind of close to midnight. So some of the police went to respond to the call and sure enough, they found Philip. Started so to ask him questions. They asked to search his bag. And my friend, this is where they start to find all of the clues. You're also doing absolutely amazing. 60 seconds of this harder effort down. 60 seconds to go. And I'm going to let you know that during this search of his book bag, they found a bloody box cutter. They found Colleen's credit cards. And what appeared to be females underwear that also had blood on it during the questioning phillips started to kind of change his story it's not really adding up at first he said yeah you know what the reason i have Colleen's stuff miss Colleen's stuff is because well, i decided to break into her car i stole her purse i grabbed her credit cards i know i shouldn't have done that But then he started to change his story a little bit when they questioned him about, like, hey, what's up with this bloody box cutter? And he's like, oh yeah, it belonged to the girl. We're gonna all pull back into this cooldown in ten seconds. Get all the way through, don't let up just yet. You've got this for five, four, three, two. And one five minutes to cool it down. Absolutely amazing work. Particular run just flew by. Currently, as they are investigating what's going on with Philip, the track there's trackers that are still searching for what's going on around the school. Where is Colleen? What's up with this recycling bin that they saw in the footage? So they're searching the area around the school, and they come across a pile of leaves that seemed that had been kind of freshly moved or freshly piled up. Near the leaves, they started to find some articles of clothing. They found surgical gloves that were turned inside out, and when they started to remove or clear the leaves, they found Colleen's half-dressed body, which had been staged in a very sexual nature. Her legs had been splayed open. It appeared that had been penetrated with tree branches. Her throat had been slashed at so violently that the blade appeared to have chipped the cervical vertebrae in her neck. She was bruised. It looked like she had been also beaten. And again they they were pretty certain at this point that she had been sexually assaulted if with nothing else with at least the tree branch. This time they finally had a chance to question Philip, and he started to release details. He said that he sliced her throat but he denied that he had sexually assaulted her. And either way the investigators felt very, very sure that they had their person. Philip Chisholm, after further investigation, was charged with murder, robbery, and assault. We later learned during the trial that Philip had brought to school with him that day the mask, the box cutter, and the gloves, which is absolutely shocking to me. I don't know how he got a box cutter into school. I've heard that you can't even get nail files into school nowadays. Additional details have surfaced that he got kind of scared when that student came into the bathroom and that's why he left and came back to remove her body to the woods nearby the school so that he could finish what he had started. The evidence indicates that Colleen was still alive. He rolled her out in the recycling bin and took her out to the nearby woods. And it was there that she actually met her end. In the trial, his defense stated that he was deeply and very mentally disturbed and under a psychotic episode, but the prosecutor mounted a really thorough case that clearly indicated that whether or not he may have been in the throes of a mental illness, that he was cognizant of his acts and his wrongdoings, and he had actually planned out this particular violent act. He was found guilty and convicted of raping Colleen inside the bathroom. They were not able to commit or convict on the second rape that he committed with the tree branch in the woods, but still he was convicted of armed robbery as well. He was convicted as the assault and her murder. Sentenced to life in prison. He'll be eligible for parole in 40 years around the time that he's 54 to 55 years old friends, we're, we're pretty much done with our case. It is a tragic, very sad story. I wish that I had a much more upbeat way of ending this particular case. But needless to say, this is one of those kind of situations where we don't really walk away with any kind of incredible silver lining. The only lesson that I could really extract from this particular case is you should live your life with passion and to its fullest. At the end, we may not know how we're going to meet our end, but being beloved and grieved by an entire community is a testament to the positive impact that one life can make. And Colleen most certainly was able to achieve that. So with 30 seconds to go, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and spend some time stretching, make sure that you refuel and rehydrate. I'm going to also ask to please be safe, take care of yourselves. Thank a teacher because they deserve it and they don't get paid hardly enough for all of this craziness. Great work with your workout. Please subscribe, rate, and review Running Scared on Apple or Spotify. And if you have any questions or feedback, reach out to me at christine at Runwinefinishlines.com. Thank you so much for Running Scared with me.